And I remember I said no at first. I was like, oh, no, I can't do heroin. And like 20 minutes later, I looked at him and said, well, make me feel better. And he goes, instantly. So um, I proceeded to shoot up heroin for the first time. And he wasn't wrong. Instantly, I felt better. And the guy looked at me, and I'll never forget it. He looks at me, and he goes, sorry, kid. Your life's never going to be the same. And he walked away. Uh, I am, uh, let's see, who is Brad Jensen? I'm a dad. I'm a single dad, um, and to a two-year-old boy, he's my world. Uh, I'll have 10 years sober um, from drugs and alcohol and November 20th. I don't know when this will air, but of, uh, of this upcoming year, that'll be 10 years. So, And uh, uh, I like to say I'm just kind of a, a fitness entrepreneur. Uh, it's kind of the space I've stayed in, but I love all things health and fitness. I got, I got certified as a personal trainer when I was still in high school, so it was 2003. Um, and because my mom told me you need to go to college. And I said, why the fuck would I go to college? I literally hate school. Like, I remember she was like, well, what, what are you going to go? Where are you going to go to school? And I'm like, I like, I despise going to school. Why would I keep going? Yeah. She's like, well, you got to do something. And I was like, all right. So I got certified. And so I got a job at Bally Total Fitness in 2003. Do you remember that place? Yep. Yep. God, man. All, <laughs> all the fluorescent lights. And it was, uh, it was something else. So um, it's kind of what I've done ever since. Like, bounced in and out of places, but, you know, and I, I own a company called Key Nutrition, and we're doing business coming up on six years in February, and, um, yeah, my life is good. Ten years sober. Yeah, almost, Damn. yeah. Damn, almost ten years sober yeah. in September. Yeah, November. November. Yeah. I'm like, September, that'd be freaking 20. Yeah, you're like, you're, like, you're, really, past, you're really counting up here if that was going next year. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, you know, and I was uh, – you know, I, I was actively addicted for, uh, I will be sober as long as I was actively addicted. So it's kind of a cool milestone. That is, dude. That Most people that uh, get into drugs, they don't ever come back. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone, you know, kind of creating success that you've got going on right now. Yeah. They're usually just lost. That's very true. So. They really are. Lost. What, did that take you down like a dark road? Did you... I think, did you go to prison or something? Uh, not prison. I was hoping to go to prison. I kept trying to wait to go to prison, but um, they wouldn't send me because <laughs> the jail sucks. Oh, I'm like, why is, why is that? You know, prison, uh, they let you live a little more because people are doing life in there. So, like, you know, their idea of a yard, uh, like, at uh, it, it, the county jail is this just, I mean, I don't know, 100-foot circular concrete wall with a grate on top. Like you can't even see anything. It's like a best Western. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I went to jail, uh, I actually 17 times to be exact. Um, I didn't stay every time, but in totality, I think I added it up. I think I did like 20 months, not, not consecutively, but I would do a couple months here and then a couple months there. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was dark. It was, uh, I immediately, so in high school, um, I don't know much of the story you want me to tell. I'll try to tell the cliff notes. But in high school, one reason why I didn't want to go to college either was I had started going down to Tijuana, Mexico. I linked up with these older guys who I just thought were so cool. It turns out they were probably losers. And they were going down to Mexico. Um, and they'd go down there and they'd go to the pharmacies and they'd get a bunch of steroids and, and narcotics. And they would take the door panels off the car shove them all in there and then zip them back up and drive through the border with, uh, with the sombrero on and, and they come back and sell them. And so one time I got the idea to go, I was like, I'm going to go do this. So I went and did it. And, uh, with them or by yourself? By myself. Oh shit. Yeah. Well, I went with another buddy, but I was like, dude, I know what they're doing. Let's just go down there and do it. Yeah. So we went down there, just idiot savant, not realizing the amount of actual federal felonies I was committing by like drug trafficking through like, you know different countries. Um, and I got away with it and I got away with it like three times. And so by the time I was a senior in high school, I thought I was pretty much had arrived. I was, that's where my entrepreneurship began. I was joked because I was selling drugs and, um, <clears throat> had a bunch of drugs and was doing them pretty much every day, but not to the point where even like my parents knew they knew I had a boatload of cash, which was weird because they found a, a briefcase one time. And I was like, oh, that's not mine. Like, Why do you have so much money? I'm like, I don't know. It's so weird. I don't know how we ended up with that. And, uh, and so what had happened was is I started using Oxycontin then and was getting it from Mexico. And, and I never really ran out. 
And so I did it every day. And you see, I was selling drugs to other high school kids. So I didn't realize, like, I didn't see the side of, like, the junkie hanging on my door, you know, my window at 2 a.m. needing their stuff. Yeah. And I had heard about, like, people talk about withdrawals and stuff. But I was, you know, I was using it every day about the last six months of high school. And and then towards the end, actually, it was the summer after my uh, senior year, um, a, a buddy had gone down. Another friend of mine had gone down to do the same thing. He got caught. He got stuck in a Mexican prison. It was all over the news. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, okay, I can't go anymore. I'm too pretty to go to a Mexican prison, so I'm not going. Um, and I thought, you know what? It's time to just clean up my life. I'm good. I'm done. And so I, I thought that, uh, like, and I had heard about, like, withdrawals and detox. But I yeah. was like, oh, like. I was just doing a little bit every day. It can't be that bad. But I didn't go a day without it. So your body becomes physically dependent. And uh, and so I, I did the rest of what I had. And I said, all right, it's time to grow up. Time to move on. Let's, I'll just stop. And uh, and when I stopped, the withdrawals were so bad, like vicious. And I was not expecting it to be that sick. And I was, it's like the, the worst flu you've had times 10 with like almost a mild panic attack all the time. What was it you were taking every day? Oxycontin, oh, opiates, okay. yeah, um, and a bunch of other things, muscle relaxers, this, that, but um, that, yeah, the Oxycontin is what got me. And so it, I ended up uh, calling a buddy and was like, dude, I can't do this. I'm so sick, bro. I'm shaking. I'm shivering. And he had said, come over. My older brother has something for you. So I showed up at his house, and this this, uh, this guy walked in and proceeded to give me a uh, – sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll leave out some of the graphic details, but – basically as an 18 year old kid, I shot up heroin for the first time. And I remember it was a line in the sand I had drawn. Like I was the youngest of five. I came from a, a Mormon family. Like I was like, this isn't supposed to happen to me. Like, you know, and I was like, oh, heroin is gross. Like that's like junkies downtown. And I remember I said no at first. I was like, oh no, I can't do heroin. And like 20 minutes later, I looked at him and said, well, make me feel better. And he goes instantly. So, um, I proceeded to shoot up heroin for the first time. And he wasn't wrong. Instantly, I felt better. And the guy looked at me, and I'll never forget it. He looks at me, and he goes, sorry, kid. Your life's never going to be the same. And he walked away. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? I was like, I'm not going to keep doing this. And then I found out how cheap it was. And, uh, and then the next day, of course, came, and I was going to be just as sick. So I just kept using. And so it, it got uh, a lot of people, like, gradually go into it. I just, like, went full bore. Yeah. like into it and so ended up in my first treatment center when i was 19 um maybe it was 20 2005 and uh and i showed up there and i was like okay so clearly i overreacted like you guys are way worse than me like this is not going to be a problem but i I won't do heroin anymore but i'm not going to stop like partying i'm not even 21 yet yeah and so uh so i got out and i started partying again drinking and um and within a couple months, it led me right back to the hard stuff. And that pattern went on and on from basically then until November 20th of 2012. I mean, just incomprehensible demoralization. Like, it's just looking back, it's just the insanity of it all. Like, I could not stop. Like, I'd get these brief times. I'd get sober. I'd get back in the fitness industry. I'd get back working. I mean, I know Mike Manfrey was on your show. Yep. And then I'd end up back in jail, and Mike Manfrey would come around. He was this. He was the cop then. Oh, and shit. Yeah. And so I knew Mike from high school. Yeah. And uh, Mike actually had some really cool chats with me. He he had actually pulled me out. Um, he definitely favored me a little in there, and like he pulled me out and pulled, when everyone was locked up and. He'd be like, what in the fuck are you doing, man? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, dude, like, you got to stop this shit, man. And I was like, I know. And I'd get out and I'd do good for like a month or two. And then it's just the same shit, man. I'd go right back to it. Like whether I wanted to or not, it felt like. What broke the cycle? Man, so that last year. So, you know, keep in mind, like in this time, this is not a joke. I'd been mar- I got married to a crackhead that I was dating. Barely remember getting married. It doesn't married. help. No, like, yeah, like, I mean, apparently she's in prison now, but uh, I married her, um, didn't, don't remember getting married, like, we were in this blacked out, glazed over, that make it way too easy to get married, I recently got divorced about a year and a half ago, and that shit was hard, but getting married was super easy, (laughs) you just barely pay a fee, and you go to the courthouse, and there you are, and, you know, I lived in my car during this time, I mean, you know, all those trips to jail, and all this stuff, and it just, like, wasn't, 
wasn't enough. Like, I don't know what my problem was. So the last year, uh, so I did almost all of 2011 in jail. That was the longest stretch I'd done. They gave me a year on my sentence, but you do about eight months with good time. And that was like a long stretch for me. And I remember thinking like, Oh, like I've never been clean this long. Like I'm done. But the reality was I didn't change who I was at all. Like yeah. I was the same dude. I was in there getting in fights, gambling, you know, doing all the shit. And, uh, so I got out and, and I remember I was like, this is it. I'm going to stay sober. And three days out of jail, the, uh, the itch came back, man. And it just like hit me. And I remember they tell you all the shit in rehab cause I had a bunch of rehabs too, where, you know, play the tape through and think about it. Like, and I did all that and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go use and I'm not going to stop and I might die. Like, and is, I still, is that what playing it. the tape through is? Yeah. Like play, like, like play, like put replay, put it through your like mind. What's what happened happen last time? Like step. once I start, like, and this is what makes a difference between someone who's an addict and someone who just maybe likes to use drugs was once I started, I was powerless. Like I had, once I put that first one in me, like all bets were off. Like it just, no matter what I, it just ran my life, no matter what I wanted to do. It's like, and so I, I played the tape all the way through. I was like, you're going to go down. You're going to pick up. And most people will overdose when they've been sober, you know, as long as I had at that point. Yeah. The, and, okay, so let's say you don't overdose. What's going to happen? Well, you're not going to stop till something stops you and you're going to ruin everything. And I still went anyways. And I was crying on the way down. And anyways, picked it up. And, uh, and that started a long run for me. So all of 2012 from like January until my sobriety date in November, um, I didn't draw a sober breath. And my pattern was, is all the other times I would go three or four months on a massive bender and then something would step in my parents um, would send me to detox or rehab or the cops kept intervening which is sometimes I was grateful for yeah um, I'd go on these gnarly four-month runs and and this time it just went because my parents had cut me off they're like we're done we're not like you're not allowed around here and rightfully so like I'd stolen their checks like it was and they just said we're done like you got to figure it out on your own and so we love you but don't come around here so and I, I didn't have any uh, pending charges because that's why they find this game of the year in jail. So I wasn't on probation for the first time. So I wasn't like had warrants out and I just went. I didn't draw a sober breath and I was homeless that whole year. And so I didn't, uh, I never slept on the streets. I was very resourceful. The whole year you were homeless. Yeah. Bouncing from place to place, motel to motel. Um, not like good motels, like ones down like you know, around the block here that you're just like, oh, Down like I corner. got off on 33rd and I looked at that motel that six and I was corner? like, oh. oh, dude, that's bad. Yeah. And I like, that's the places I was staying and just the people I got involved with, like my, you know, because before I would do these little three or four month benders and then I'd get sober for two or three months and I'd get my size back. Like I actually didn't really look like a junkie. Like it was really odd. I, I uh, you know, I still lifted sometimes even when I was using, but and this last, it just, I mean, I fully succumbed to the fact that like, okay, you're a junkie, man. And I just went that whole year. And so, um, was homeless the whole year, slept place to place. And I, uh, and I, um, so by the end of the year, uh, it started to get cold out and just the heinous shit I saw that year. It's a really long answer to your question. No, it's <laughs> good, dude. No, it's good, dude. <laughs> okay. Um, like the, the people I got involved with, I made the decision. This was actually a, this is what I thought was a calculated decision was that I was going to start using meth with the heroin because I couldn't stay awake on the heroin. And so I had to hustle every day to get a new 150 bucks to get my fix and then to try to get 50 more bucks for a cheap motel every single day. Damn. And, uh, and so I started using meth and the people that introduced me to, um, like just, there were some bad people, like, and, and shit that I just never thought I would see. I just was ending up in these, I was like, is this real life? Like, what's happening? Like, people, you know, you know, just kidnapping this girl over a $30 drug debt, and I'm in the back seat, and I'm like, what's happening? This girl's hogtied. Like, shit that I'm just like this. I remember thinking sometimes, like, I think you're hallucinating. This isn't real. And it was all real. Um, it's just crazy so, how it snowballs. It's so bad, man. You hear about it. You hear yeah. that it leads to other things and everything, but it, it's listening to you talk right now, dude, just the snowball. Just absolutely spiraled. Like it was like sucked me in. And it, uh, and so by the end of that year, um, man, like I, I'd watched some really, really bad shit towards the end of the year. Um, just, just, and 
shit that I never wanted to see. And I was like, what am I a part of? And hanging out with people who were being wanted for murder. And I was like, for the first time, I was like, if the drugs don't kill you, these people might. Like, And I was paranoid because of the meth and I wasn't sleeping. And, and uh, so by the end of the year, um, come November, it's getting cold too. And it really sucks to be homeless. Did you cold. go straight meth or were you still doing the heroin, heroin meth? Oh yeah, heroin combo. every day, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and then meth. And by the end, I was just doing basically anything I could get my hands on. And so, <clears throat> the uh, you know the turning point was is like towards the end of that year. I remember I started to get scared, like scared for my life, and I couldn't differentiate the false from the real. Like I couldn't differentiate. Like, am I hallucinating because I'm not sleeping and I'm on meth, or like, am I actually legitimately in danger? Like, are these people gonna kill me? Like, um. And, and I couldn't tell, but looking back, I'm like, you probably might've got killed. Like these <laughs> were not good dudes. And so by the end of the year, I started praying for the first time in a long time. And I just was like, dude, if something's up there, like, please help me. I don't even know what's going on. Like I am so, I don't know how I got so deep in this world. Um, and, uh, and so by the end of the year, my, my mom called me in November and she said, Hey, your grandfather passed away. And I was like, shit. And she was like, I really want you to be at the funeral. I said, okay. She said, but, you know, please do whatever you got to do just to be right. And I go, and she, I knew what that meant. Yeah. It meant don't be so high that I'm drooling all over myself or acting weird. And don't be withdrawing where I'm shitting myself and shaking and shivering. And, and so I just said, okay, I will. So two days later, the day comes where she's got to pick me up from the shitty motel and of course I ran out of drugs. I'm super sick. I'm, I'm, I'm dope sick. They called it. And it's, it's pretty violent to watch somebody go through that. So she picked me up and I remember just thinking, okay, just go tough it out. And then when you get back, you can go get some, like I felt this obligation to show up for my grandpa. So she picked me up and I hopped in the car and immediately she was like, you gotta be kidding me. She was like, you like, you're a mess. And I was like, I can do it. I can do it. And I'm shaking and shivering. And all of a sudden I just vomit all on her car. And she's like, you cannot go up like this. She was like, what, what do we need to do? And I said, we need to call the drug dealer's house. So I made my, my good little religious mother at the time, she's not part of the church anymore, but take me to the dope man's house, went in, got the drugs. And when I came back out, um, you know, she, we were going to be way late. We had to go up to Brigham city. She was going to be late to her own yeah. dad's funeral. And so she said, hop in the back seat and do whatever you got to do. So she had never, she knew I used drugs, but she never watched me use them. And so the, the, the moment that it all changed for me, as I hopped in that back seat and I remember we were driving up the highway. And so it's very graphic. Like you, you got to find a vein and I didn't have any at the point they were. And, and, you know, I'm cooking up the heroin and then I'm trying to find a vein. There's blood going everywhere. It's just, and I remember my mom just looking at me in the rear view mirror and she wasn't, she didn't say a word. And she's just crying and she's not sobbing. They're not yup yups. It's just tears. And she's not even wiping them off her face. And I don't know how we didn't crash because she's just looking in the rearview mirror the whole time with just like this head shake. And I'm, I'm thinking the whole time you are the most selfish piece of shit. Like you'd put my mom had never watched me actually do drugs. And so I shot up and immediately, obviously I felt better from the physical, but it was one of the first times that it couldn't numb the emotional pain. I remember thinking in that moment and, and it was a very distinct thought. I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry. And she didn't say a word. And I just said, shit. And I thought, you know, I got, I got two options here. You either kill yourself, man. And that I hadn't actually wanted to kill myself when I'd been on the drugs. When I was sick, I wanted to. Yeah. But legitimately, I said, you need to kill yourself or you need to get sober. Like, I can't go on a day like this. And, uh, and so that night, um, I went to my grandpa's funeral and got back. And that night, uh, I hopped in a car. Uh, this guy came and picked me up. And he asked me if I'd drive because he was too high. But it turns out he asked me to drive because the car was stolen. So I got in the car and we're going to get drugs. And I'm getting on I-15. And, uh, and I almost hit a cop because I'm texting the dealer. And I swerve and I almost hit him and he has to swerve off into the grass and come back. And I looked and I go, oh, that's a cop. And he flipped on his lights and I was like, shit. And the kid informs me that the car is stolen. And, uh, and he came up and cop said, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? And I remember it was just this like moment of surrender. Like I just took a deep breath and I was like, all right, I've been praying for this to end. This is, this is the end. And I said, yeah, uh, yeah I almost hit you. This car is stolen. 
I'm high. I don't have a license. You need to take me to jail. He was like, wait, what? He was like, okay. He was like, well, you're not wrong. The car's stolen. Like, let's go. So took me to jail, and uh, and that's where my journey began, and that was November 19th. And so I went through the most hellacious withdrawals in jail. Um, never, like, had, had kicked like that. And I remember just thinking the whole time, like, this is the last time you have to do this. This is the last time you have to do it, dude. Just go through this. This is the last time if you want it to be. And and I laid on the, the cement in my own vomit, and, uh, you know, I'd said things in there like I'm going to kill myself, so they put me in, like, the solitary, like, crazy unit. Like, not good things to say when you say that. So... And, um, and I got out of jail, man. I actually got out of jail 30 days later. Uh, the charges were dropped because it turns out the kid stole it from his mother. So she dropped the charges. And uh, they called me to go home. And I was like, wait, what? I thought I was going to be in there a while. And, uh, and I called my mom. She came and picked me up. And uh, she dropped me off. She said, you can't come to the house, but I'll drop you off at a, a recovery meeting, like an AA meeting. So she dropped me off, and that's where my journey began. So, <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. That's that crazy. That was a really long way to say. What that. year? Sorry, no, you're good. What year was it that you uh, that you ended up figuring out that that's your, that's where the journey was going to end? What year was that that you went into jail for 30 days? Uh, November 20, 2012. 2012. So that's going to be 10 years. So, and I haven't had a, a drink or a drug or any mind altering substances since, man. Just, just, uh, just did the deal finally, and like it, it was that moment in the backseat of my mom's car. I've shared that story a lot. But that was the moment it changed. There was something different that happened when it was divine. It was supposed to be that way. And I just, I just hated who I was. Like, I just, I was sick. Like, the, fa- the look on my mom's face was just ultimate heartbreak. And so I, uh, yeah, man, I haven't looked back since. And I, and I worked my ass off to get sober. And I, I did everything they told me in every rehab to do. I finally actually did it. I changed everything. I changed all the people I was hanging out with. I I went to a ton of meetings. I, I took direction. I, you know, just anything I could do. Like, I was just yeah. a sponge for in- information. People tell me what to do, and I was like, done. Like, if it helps me stay sober, let's do it. You still have to try every day. You know, it's interesting. Uh, That's something and, that a lot of people say is, like, I have to keep trying every day. You know, I have to. I have to. You know, people ask me, do I still go to meetings? And I was like, yeah, I do. Now, not not one a day. I actually yeah. host one at my office. It's a men's recovery meeting. I go to one or two a week. I'm still active. Um, it's called Sponsoring Other Men, um, which is basically just like a sober mentor. You take them through these things called the 12 Steps. And uh, and so I still have to work at my, my spiritual condition every day to, like, stay away from it. But as far as, like, a daily battle, like, it doesn't – I don't – I haven't had a serious craving and probably – years and years to stay away from the wrong people yeah and like today i can go be around alcohol and yeah it doesn't bother me but i I don't drink um i have not been around hard drugs and i don't really see any reason to be (laughs) like yeah i've not been around like somebody loading up a heroin syringe or fentanyl like those those are not people that you want in your room yeah no no i'm like i'm really careful i let in my circle and so yeah like i i still i still practice um you know, the diligence of staying sober, but it's, it's much more about, you know, just staying like spiritually connected to something greater than me. So that's badass, dude. Yeah. That's a hell of a story. Thanks, man. Hell of a story. Like I said, most people don't even, they don't come back from that. No, like six, seven overdoses, you know, and that's why, you know, I've been very open about my sobriety and, uh, and, uh, you know, there was people who warned me to not do that early on because it puts even added pressure. I mean, my, even know, like Instagram. mentally, yeah, even mentally, I yeah. have friends from high school that, you know, were, were never the same mm-hmm. mentally that I hung out with a ton and they I'm got so grateful. And, yeah. I don't like it. I, I thought for sure, like I'd cause some brain damage and, and uh, I, you know, I'm just so full of gratitude that I made it out. I don't, any day that goes by, I don't, I don't forget how lucky I am yeah. that for whatever reason, God or something else out there saw it fit that I stay alive. And like, that's, uh, I shouldn't be here today. <clears throat> and the fact that I am like makes me extra motivated to do something with my life. So, so, so how'd you get into the fitness space? Um, well, when I first started personal training back in high school, that's when I got into it, but I loved it. I was a fat chubby kid growing up. And I was teased and uh, made fun of, and that was, uh, 
I mean, I was peeved by my friends, but you know, that sucks. Yeah. Teenagers are brutal. Like 13 year olds are just assholes. They just like, oh, Jensen's fat. He'll eat the pizza. And I'm like, fuck, fuck you. You can't say that. Like, <laughs> you know, I'd wear the black shirt to the pool um, in a 100-degree heat day, you know. No shirt off at the pool. No, yeah. I'm fucking just that kid, you know. I see some of those kids. I'm just like, I just want to give you a hug, dude. Because I, I was chubby, but I thought I was obese because I hung out with kids that had rib cages, but they called it ripped, right? And yep. I was like, and so it, um, it messed with me bad. And that's actually when... Uh, when the first time I actually dabbled in alcohol was, and I found when I was drunk, I didn't really care what they said. And I was like 13, 14 years old. And then, um, but I got into it when I was about 14. I, I went to, uh, those are some fucking asshole friends, dude, dickheads, you know, sad, sadly two, two of them are dead. Now one went to prison for 10 years. Um, <clears throat> we didn't end up on the best track. So they, um, and I got into fitness. I went to a went to a bookstore with my mom back when people used to go to bookstores, Barnes and Noble. And she was buying a book, and I was in the uh, I was in the magazine section. I remember I picked up on Muscle and Fitness, and I saw this this big jack dude on it, and it made no sense. But I was just like, I'm gonna look like that. That's gonna be me. That's what I'm gonna look like. So I picked up a magazine. I just started reading, and it was the first time I'd been passionate about anything in my whole entire life, man. I just like dove in. I was like, this is amazing. And uh, I remember I ripped out a little page out of it that had like a, a meal plan, but I, this was probably for like a bikini girl or some yeah. shit. Like, cause it was, I remember it was like four egg whites in the morning and a half a grapefruit. It's like fucking 90 calories. Like, <laughs> so I, I did this dude and I was taking, I would, I was so, I was 15 years old and I was like I'm in it to win it, man. I was so dedicated and I lost a bunch of weight and I also hit a growth spurt. And then I was kind of teased for being too skinny. My friend started calling me anorexia boy. And I was like, yeah, you can't, can't you win can't with these win, fuckers, dude. dude. <laughs> so I remember I started lifting a little at school, but my mom said I can't get a gym pass till I had a car. She's like, I'm not going to take you every day. You got you to earn that yourself. So when I turned 16, I got a gym pass at Lifestyles 2000. and became gold. Oh, and dude, yeah, yeah, that was the place. That was the place. Yeah. And, dude, I went there, and I just Is I that like it. Redwood Road and – um, it was on Van Winkle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I just, and there was, uh, I went there and I just lifted dude and I loved, I fell in love dude. And my body just changed. And, um, I would, I would pick all these older guys brains for hours there. Like, just be like, why are you doing that? What's a drop set? What does that do? And they were nice because they were probably really irritated by me. But within the matter of like a year going to my sophomore to junior year, I put on like 15, 15, maybe 20 pounds and like most of it of muscle. And I came back and the hottest girl in the school thought I was cool now. She didn't even know who I was the year before. I was like, whatever. And she knows who I am now. Who cares? And, uh, and dude, I just fell in love. And that's what, uh, that was my story into fitness. And so. What year did you graduate? 2003. 2003. Yeah. Same age. Oh. I graduated 2003. From where? I, from Granger. Oh, okay. Yep. I went to Highland for a year and then down to Granger for two years. So. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of the gym that I always went to. I thought it was a, I thought it was a lifestyle, 2000s. But there it was, was one on Redwood in 78. It was Redwood in 78, yeah. 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 Fucking love that place. Yeah. I actually saw well, in 2006. I think Manfrey went with me there all the time. Yeah. 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 I started uh, – when I went there, let's see, I ran the personal training department there in like 2006 maybe. For like six months, and it was, it was then I started using it again. It was the – classic story and then i blew it again but yeah so that's that's how i became uh in love with fitness man and it's been it's been you know it's been a huge part of my my sobriety too is just just i see so many guys uh you know i kind of i kind of frame this whole four-legged chair model within my business of like you know people come to me for their physical health but you know, if, if the other leg is emotional health, mental health, spiritual health, like if they're really uneven, like, you know, yeah. you've, you're not going to balance on that shit for long. So like, we need to make sure all of them are optimizing. And I tell, I tell my client, like, I'm not a fucking therapist. I'm not any of this, but like, I'm a guy who understands I've been through some shit. Like, what are you doing for your mental health? Like, let's figure out like some goals for you. Like, and, uh, and that's key nutrition. Yeah. Okay. And so. It's really kind of uh, the model I started to run with a few years back, and um, it's been uh, it's been cool just to watch people like just really start to understand this. That like their their you know their mental health and emotional health is absolutely why they can't get a track of their physical health. And I see guys in recovery uh, circles who 
man, they, they nail the mental, emotional, spiritual part. And then physically, they're just so out of shape, can barely get up the stairs. And I'm like, what is the point of getting sober and living life if, like, you can't even move? Like, you know, I see these guys with 20 years of sobriety, and I'm like, I admire you 20 years, but, man, like, you are so unhealthy. Like, and so um, so it's been a big part of my sobriety is keeping that up. Yeah, what's the best way to get a, get a hold of you, dude? For the key nutrition, um, key nutrition.com. Uh, you know, you can apply to work with one of my coaches. Uh, you can apply to work with me too. I, I, uh, I have a wait list right now only because I've got all these other moving parts. And so I don't take, um, nearly as many clients as I used to. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, I think my wait list is like a month right now, but yeah, I've got a great team of coaches and, uh, I think we have, I should know eight. I'm trying to count. Yeah. Eight, eight coaches? coaches. Yeah. God damn. Oh, that's an old picture too. But um, if you go to work with a coach, find a coach. I should know exactly how many coaches I have. But um, yeah, it's uh, you know it's been cool, man. I was telling you, uh, I don't know if we were recording yet, but you know, I kind of wanted to build key nutrition into this this empire. Like that was my goal, and then I I realized I actually don't want to do that like yeah. at all. Um, as you know, like managing a lot of other people is a job inside of itself, yes. and it was like. So I went through a phase where I was like, okay, I hired a business mentor and he's like, dude, you can't be running 50 clients a week and trying to like manage eight or nine coaches. Nope. And then, you know, three or 400 different clients are coming in out of your you know, place. He's like, you got to like step back and just be the CEO. And so I did. And I was fucking miserable, dude. I missed coaching. I missed the one-on-one -on -one interaction. I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. So I went back to coaching more and, uh, and I realized, you know, I love it, but I think it's it's become the foundation for me to then I'm starting to try to build off of this foundation that Key Nutrition gave me. And, yeah. and it's not going away. Like, I'm not going to shut it down. I mean, if someone approaches me to acquire it, maybe that's a different story, but I'm not going like, to just abandon it or yeah. or any of that. Um, you know, and, and and to be honest, we've kind of we've kind of held steady the last two or three years, which um, I've been fine with, um, considering especially the times. But we haven't grown, but but. I'm doing a lot of other things that uh, that are starting to bring me just so much more joy and passion. And I still love coaching, but I didn't love managing a bunch of people. That was not my thing. You back to just coaching or did you find somebody to manage the people? Uh, so I have somebody that helps me manage the people, which is nice. Uh, uh, and, you know, that, that cuts, cuts, in everything. cuts into my paycheck, yep. right? I yep. mean, I got to now pay somebody else. But yep. so uh, – me and the gal together kind of can, can help run the operations. I still step in, but, and I'm coaching more, but like I said, I got these, uh, this course I do, which is like a high ticket self-development course, which is really like based off of that four-legged chair model. And, uh, and that's been a lot of fun. I do a little bit of mentoring and business coaching. And, um, what course is that? It's called the next level experience. So it's, uh, is that on your Instagram? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's also, it's my next but it's a, it's uh, now going to be a 16-week course, and um, we actually just – I took a long break from it. We were targeting, like, you know, the the typical client we had coming into Key, the people that wanted – that couldn't figure out, like, they know what to do, so why can't they fucking lose the weight? Like, they, they know what to do, but they're in their own way. Yep. And so we really created this this program based off of that to dive in more mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Like, I got a therapist in there. I've got an energy worker. I've got – you know, and, and – uh, and really try to get everything really sound so then they can, you know, actually find the lose, lose the weight. But actually just revamping it, uh, split ways with the guys I was doing it with. Um, and it's, we're targeting more like entrepreneurs and high performers now. Um, still with a component of health, but um, I, I'm excited. It's supposed to be, uh, it's going to be really I, fun. I, so. I think everybody knows what they need to do to lose weight, but it's that accountability that helps as well. Yeah, you know what I mean, and then a little, and then obviously the nutrition plan is 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 more tuned in. You know, yeah. If I didn't go see a nutritionist, I know that I just need to eat less. Yeah, but it's probably not going to be the right shit at the right time. Yeah, but then I'm not going to have the accountability, so I'm probably it kind of goes back to that mindset. Not even the, not to the extent that you were where you're like playing the tape. Yeah, playing the tape, like run run through what's going to happen if you take that drug. Like, yeah, run through what's going to happen if you eat that fucking donut. Like, yeah. You're going to eat a donut tomorrow again. Yeah. Like you're going to think exactly. that's fine. And then you're going to be a month down the road and you're like, son of a bitch. I'm, Monday it I'm starts. Fucking, uh, Monday I'll start again. I'll eat two more donuts. Yeah. No, fuck no. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. What really lit my fire for, um, for coaching um, 
and and you know we we kind of try to like you know we i think we were called nutrition consultants at the place me and mike worked out together and yeah i was like man we're doing more than that we're actually coaching like we're really trying to teach and educate and so but what lit my fire for it was uh when you, when i got sober asked this guy to sponsor me and and again it's like a free mentor you know and it's it's my duty still at 10 years sober to help other guys and uh and you know so it's free and he said yeah like i'll help you he's like but you you're a shit i've seen you in and out of this recovery deal like you know, I'm going to be hard on you. And I was like, cool, I want you to be hard on me. I remember uh, he, so I met with him every week, just like you would a coach, right? He gave me accountability. He gave me application. Okay, what, what, what do we need to do? What changes? Education. And then education, like educating me on, on different things. And then gave me assignments to follow through, just like we do kind of with coach. Like, hey, I want you to do this. And then here's your four workouts I want you to do. And, and, and it worked. And without that, I don't think I would have stayed sober. Like he was, he was hard on me and I needed that. I remember I showed up one time at, uh, and we're supposed to meet at seven o'clock and I showed up and it was seven Oh five. And there was a post note on this thing that said, um, better luck next week, be on fucking time. I remember I grabbed the post note. I'm like four months sober. I am fragile as shit. Like I, I was either crying or angry all the time. I like took it off and I, I thought, fuck this guy. And I went out to my car and I sat there and I hung my head and just almost about to cry, dude, he won't even meet with me because I'm late. Like it was all this pity. And he sends me a text. He must've been watching from his window. And he said, Hey, I'm doing this cause I love you now. Cause I hate you. You, you are incredibly undisciplined. So I'm going to no help slack. give you some discipline. Yep. And like, because of that, that's where, um, like, I don't think I would have been sober without that guy. And he was, uh, he was really hard on me to an extent where I like, about a year in, I think I tried to fight him one time because I was like, dude, stop talking to me like that. Like, and, uh, <laughs> and we're really cool today, but you know, that lit my fire for coaching. Cause that's how it worked. Like it worked. Like he, I tell people, my job is really fucking simple for you as a coach. It's, it's accountability. Cause that's a crutch to make shit happen. And, and trying to, you know, find that, that balance of holding some accountable in a, in a, you know, graceful, but yet gritty way. Like. I'm probably a little harder on people than Mike is, um, but like just a personality. And, yeah. and I also know that like, I wouldn't have stayed sober if that guy was fluffy on me. Like he was so hard on me. Five minutes one day, 10 minutes the yeah. next day, 20 yeah. minutes the next day. He'd be like, did you go to that meeting I told you to go to on Tuesday? I was like, yeah. He was like, were you on time? I was like, yeah. And he goes, were you on time? And I was like, no, nah, I got there like seven twelve. But, and he was like, that's not on time. He was like, dude, why did you just lie to me? If you can't lie, if you lie about the small shit, you're 1000% going to lie about the big shit, bro. And like, I didn't get what integrity was like, that wasn't even in my vocabulary for a long time. And so, um, I try to be hard on clients in a graceful, but yet like gritty way, like, you know, clients come in sometimes, especially females, they're beating themselves up so bad. I mean, their week was not great, but to them, they're, they're a fucking failure and I can't do this. And like, I don't know why I even try like all this stinking thinking in their heads. And I... And so sometimes it's just good to go, hey, like, okay, give yourself some grace. Um, but like, what can we do to get back on track this week? And then there's other times where you do got to pull out the hat that I don't super love to wear, but that's like, hey, okay, it's three weeks in a row. Get your shit together. Like, you can't keep doing this. You're like, what do we need to do to get you back on track? Because you're better than this, yeah. right? That's my favorite thing is the accountability. Yeah. Like, there's no there's no damn way. I, I dropped about, I don't know, with Mike, I dropped about 50, 60 pounds in 2015. I remember that. Yeah. And I thought uh, I started out with him where he, you guys were at yeah. and then jumped with him when he moved on. And uh, I, I just remember going, okay, I can eat the same way all the time. I'll be fine. You know, I, I don't have to keep going to see Mike. But shit, dude, I ended up getting in a relationship, stopped Tough. seeing Mike. Then it was like relationship will do it. vacation, vacation, vacation. I'll start Monday. I'll start yep. Monday, dude. A year passed, and I'm like, you are fat, dude. Yep. And then I still didn't do anything about it. <laughs> I played out eating that donut in my head, dude. And I was like, well, we'll do it. We'll start Monday. You know, it's interesting, though. You know, and the deeper I get into business, I look at it as like this uh, – this triangle, right? And it's like, I've got, I've got my health and fitness and then I've got my, my family and relationships. I mean, families, me and my kid, but even like my family members, but like yeah. really my relationships and, and my relationship with my significant other right now and, and, and my kid and then business. And I feel like the ball just kind of bounces in between here and depending on the season, it's, and, and again, for me, because I feel a duty and honor to walk the walk, like, you know, I just, 
the fat trainer just bothers me, but that's okay. That's my own <laughs> shit to work through. The fat trainer? Uh, yeah. It's like I see some on my gym, and I'm like, why don't you do fucking 20 sit-ups? Why are you yelling oh, at them? Oh, the fat trainer, yeah. the out-of-shape trainer. Yes, the out-of-shape trainer. I wouldn't trainer. go to that fucker. No, thank you. Yeah, so hell no. I've, My health, definitely, I probably stay more in check than most people because I feel, but there's times where I'm, like, super in it. And right now, to be honest, it's kind of like the, the ball is much more bouncing between business and uh, – and my and my relationship and my child and, and being a dad and and like I just think there's these seasons and especially entrepreneurs but it's just kind of getting back and making that a priority and like having it bounce up to the to the health thing yeah but, and that's why I really wanted to target the next level experience more towards high performers like it doesn't have to say it could be an entrepreneur that's just a high performer that just like is a workout but like it's people that just like have this drive and they've been successful and they want more, but they, they can't figure out how to balance that ball. Like, you know, where it just kind of floats more in the middle. I like thinking about that triangle. Yeah. yeah. Keeping it kind of centered where it's even between all three. Yeah. I kind of like that. I'm more right now. I bet you I'm over on the business side. Yeah. And I've been there since 2016, 2017 yeah. and the health has just, it's taken a decline. Yeah. And, and I and need it, to get that shit centered. And it's it's hard because the reality is, is for most people, it does take, like, there's got to be some sacrifice somewhere. And so sometimes, like, I mean, I've had guys who were like, yeah, I mean, I'm not grinding as much as I want. And I'm probably, you know, but but I'm taking better care of my health and I feel better. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's worth it, you know. But um, And other times, there's times where, like, there's not really a choice. you got to grind. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Try to keep it balanced, but it's tough. I don't know if it'll ever exist, right? But I remember I heard, uh, I heard, um, I it heard might Ed Milet. It might pass through there as it's headed yeah. to the other side. I heard Ed Milet, I believe it was, or maybe it was Bajos Cooling, I forget, but said, um, you know, fucking balance doesn't exist, right? It doesn't exist. What there is, though, like, and why they've been able to be really good is when they are at the gym, and I took this to heart, when they are at the gym, he's at the fucking gym. Okay, puts his phone on, do not disturb. He's not still working, and I've been so guilty of that. Um, you know, when he's with his family and with his kids, like, he is there. He's present. He's doing that. Um, and I'm sure they end up working a little. I'm not, like, you know, I'm not that naive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's their main focus. And then when they're at work, it's work. Like, and and even to the point, I think it was Bajos Cooling. He said, you know, I told my wife, like, love you, but unless it's an emergency, I'm grinding today. Like, love you, but I will spend so much time with you when I get home. Like When I get home, you know I'm going to be with yes. you, period. And I thought, you know what? I don't think balance does exist, but I can find a way. And so I've, I've, I remember that really clicked with me. And I and so when I'm at the gym now, like, I actually put my phone on Do Not Disturb. I mute all notifications, and I just work out. Like, I get it done. I find I'm more efficient. I even get out of there sooner. And then, you know, when I'm a single dad, so when I have my kid, it's not like I have help. And so I only have them, th- you know, I have them like 35% of the time. And it'll be 50-50 next year. And, and when that happens, it'll be interesting to see because right now I can be like, okay, the other 70% of the time I don't have him, I'm in it. Like I'm working. Yeah. But business. But when I have him, when he shows up it's Wednesday at 4 p.m., like I'm pretty much done. And of course, there's little small things I have to do. But if I bust open that laptop, he fucking hates it. Does he? Like he knows. Like yeah. he tries to push it down. And maybe balance isn't sitting in the center of that triangle. Yeah. Maybe balance is just here, here, yes. here daily. Boom. Not just here for three months yeah yep yeah just kind of yeah. bouncing like, bouncing, okay right now i'm giving here giving the sections daily yeah. of what it needs to be is balanced not necessarily sentence sitting in the middle amen dude you I couldn't just sit in the middle no and so i never really thought of it that way the mixed tones yeah. like so in a given day i could be in all three areas of the triangle but like when i'm there in the it. ball is there i'm not also trying to bounce back like you know i'm there and i'm doing it and you're so, not in the center working Talking to the family, yeah, you are. Right. You you give those designated spots their time daily. So, yeah, so I I've like really that. tried to do that, man. And because uh, when I'm with them, um, I haven't done a ton right as a dad, I'm sure. But one thing I have is I uh, I wanted to like, you know, I don't want to be the guy who just regrets I was never with my kid. And you know what? If I was still married, I might probably I wouldn't probably have taken the same approach because you have that fallback where I'm like I can see him for a minute and then leave. Like, when he shows up in my house, it's just me and him. That's it. Like, and so I just try to be really there for him. So, yeah. I, I, I keep going back to that triangle. I love it, dude. I've never thought of that, and I'm guilty of just, you know, I'll go home and work at my office. I'll work here. Yeah. Like, my, you know, I'm super guilty with that. And I'm, I'm going to 
steal that, dude, because I think that I'm going to create that triangle, and that son of a bitch is going to be in my shower. Yeah. It's going to be on my screensaver of my phone. So every time I look at it, it's like, no, there's got to be balance. You got if, if you're not at work, you're with family and just family. If you're not with family, you're doing your fitness, and that's fitness time. Yeah. And, I, yeah, dude, I'm going to sit and stare at that every oh, day. Cool, man. You might Go see ahead. that on my social media yeah, coming up with that it, triangle, yeah. dude. Um. No, I like the way you framed it too. And I think in a given day, it just goes in those different directions. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, that that's to me is like what balance. And, you know, it's hard, man. You want this. I go through these phases where like I want this. You know, I, I fucking watch these guys like Andy Forsell and and, uh, and Ed Milet. And I'm like, you don't get there by accident. You get there by grinding your ass off. Yes. And so when I'm not efficient in that time, I don't have my son. Man, like I beat myself up. So like lately I've just been like, dude, and, and I went through this funk lately where I just like wasn't excited about anything really for like three months. And I kind of came out of it and was like, that fucking sucked, dude. I want to be excited again. And uh, it's this dichotomy of like knowing that I got to grind my ass off to get big things in life. And I still always feel like I'm playing catch up because when I got sober at 28 years old, I had nothing to my name, a 505 credit score. I had a garbage, a black garbage bag that you like rake leaves with full of any of my belongings, which was one pair of clothes, um, some like weird gadgets, like an, an iPod or what are those things called? Remember the little things you'd wear? What are they? Oh, the the music. Was it the Nano? The shuffle. Yeah, shuffle, the yeah. Shuffle, yeah. fucking yeah. shuffle. Oh, was like, it the little square ones? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, just, fuck it. Just like, but that was my whole belongings. I had nothing, no car, nothing. And I had to scrape from the get, like had to, you know, I lived on people's couches that were sober this time. So that was good. Um, Waited tables, got back in the fitness industry. That's actually where I'm rekindled with Mike yeah. was at that place. And uh, and I kind of had this chip on my shoulder that I have to, like, it, and it got me really far. Like, I went from from nothing to having some shit in, in a matter of 10 or 12 months and, like, having a life worth meaning. And so I try to channel that, like, hungriness, but also, like, not being to the point where I work so much that I start, like, not sleeping well and I feel like shit. And yeah. Still figuring out. If you find out, let me know. <laughs> Same thing, back and forth, dude. No, I, I think it's badass where you came from and what you've got now and what you've created. Thanks, man. Both with helping people with issues, key nutrition, and then uh, what was the other one that you were talking about that you? Oh, uh, my next course, level experience. Yeah, of course, your next level experience. It's Which actually, that's really what I'm trying to uh, to really hone in on and give a lot of energy and attention to, and. Uh, because it was kind of just a side hustle that made me some decent money on the side. You know, it's yeah. a higher ticket thing. And, um, but the reason I'm trying to go on it is not, it can free up some of my time, but you know, it's not, I'll just find different time to work. Like, it's not like I'm just, <laughs> I'm not the guy that's down. I like sounds cool to be like, Oh, I only work 20 hours a week and I make, you know, 500 grand a year. But I'm like, I would just start finding other things to work on. You're an entrepreneur. I don't dude. want to just not if work. If I free up time, it's going to go to make more money somewhere else. Yes. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, I heard a quote that said, "Entrepreneurs are the only people who are desperately work eighty hours or work eighty hours a week to desperately avoid working forty for somebody else." I'm like, <laughs> so true. That is true. That is um, true. I and, wouldn't trade it though. Yeah, no. And so, um, but the reason why I'm trying to free it up because the fulfillment and passion I get from doing that, yeah, is greater than I do. Um, and if any of my clients listen to this, I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Then if you lost two pounds this week, yeah, still cool. But like when I see people making these breakthroughs and these self-limiting beliefs, and I'm just like, holy shit, like they're looking different. Their eyes look different. Like that lights me up. And at the end of the day, man, like I just want to feel fulfilled, dude. Yeah. You know, I like it. It's like, what's the point of life of them? I'm, I, you know, if you make a bunch of money, but you're fucking miserable. And that happens all the time. Yeah. That, I hear that shit all the time, dude. dude. It's like, I got a buddy who makes great money, but how he makes it is pretty questionable to me. I mean, I think the FTC will have a say in that one day, but I was like, and he's he's sober, he's in recovery, and we're supposed to hold ourselves to these standards of, like, men of integrity, and, like, yeah. you know, we're rigorously honest, and we do what we say we're going to do, and and I said, dude, it's so much more important how you make your money than how much money you make, bro, and, like, you know that, and that's why you're fucking and having that miserable with a Porsche in your garage. But or having to watch, like, behind your back all the time or something. Dude, awful. Fuck that. Yeah. Hell no. No. Like, <laughs> but, I see all his shit, and I'm like, hey, he's doing better than me. But, but I'm you like, know he how he's doing it? You know he ain't sleeping. No. no. You know he ain't fucking sleeping. No, dude. I'd rather sleep. 
Yeah. So I'd rather have that peace of mind. Yeah. Hundred percent. I I appreciate you coming on today, dude. This was a good conversation. Thank you, man. Um, Could have kept chatting. If we forever. have you back on the podcast, you got to bring Sheena. Dude, I should have brought Sheena. So if you guys don't, Sheena is. Uh, is that your twin sister? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it is my twin. Is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sheena is a character I created to basically make fun of all of my fucked up clients over the years, and they know it too. I love it. <laughs> they'll post. They'll be like, "Oh my god, that was so me." Um, and uh, it An was actually earlier phase of your client. Yes, she was de- grown out of that. She's developed. Uh, she developed in time over uh, over COVID because God knows we all went a little fucking crazy. Oh yeah. Oh man. And so there she is right there. Um, <laughs> that's the original Sheena video. You can see I'm missing. A- Love this one. That's that's the original one. We got oh, okay. I was gonna say we got to go through the waist trainers. Dude, we, we got to get yeah, get her on, man. Dude. She's a, she's never been on like her own official podcast. She would be really. Flattered. You've got her phone number, right? Yeah, I'll okay. hit her up. I mean, she is always she's always pissed that I get on all the podcasts, <laughs> but she has never been on. Uh, your IG, the Silver Bodybuilder. Yeah, go check out Sheena. Yeah, go check out Sheena. So she's a bad. She actually guy. got a, a new. Vi- I hadn't recorded a bunch of content for her in a long time because it's a whole fucking mood I got to get into, dude. Like. Like, to really do her right, like, yeah. I have to, like, like, my ex-wife would be like, I hate when you put that wig on. You turn into such a bitch. Like, and I, it keeps going even after I take it off. I'm just, like, a little snappy. And and so I have to it's really get it. in the mood. Like, <laughs> she's awful. And I really get into character. And the uh, – so I hadn't done one for a while. And I actually just filmed some, uh, regrettably, but they're coming up. But it's funny. I was in my office filming it. And uh, I had to go pee. And so I went out. And there was a couple of my coach's clients sitting in the lobby. And they just stared at me. And they had no clue. Yeah, and I was gone. like, yeah, oh, the whole do up, like the little tight shirt. And I was like, it's, it's, uh, I was like, it doesn't matter. Just I'm not going to explain to it. Yeah, it. like, <laughs> you'll see what it is. I was okay. going to try to like over explain, but when you get Sheena on, let's do it. Definitely, dude. So I appreciate, appreciate you coming it, on, buddy. Thank you. Great conversation. Hell yeah.